0: Welcome to the Unabridged Podcast. I'm Ashley. And this is Jen. Join us for bookish episodes and check out our website, unabridgedpod.com,
1: where you can find lots of new bookish content to grow your TBR. Sign up for our newsletter to find out more about online book discussions and upcoming events. Find us on Patreon for extra unabridged content. Join us on Instagram and Facebook at unabridgedpod and message us there or see our website to get plugged into the unabridged community. You want opinions about books? We've got them. Hey everyone and welcome to Unabridged. Today we are talking about Natasha Bowen's Skin of the Sea, our May 2023 book club pick. Before we get started, I want to remind everyone about our great content over on Patreon. So we are really trying to boost our Patreon content this year in hopes that you all can help us support the podcast. So if you support us, you can find out more at patreon.com slash unabridged pod. You get an extra episode of unabridged every month. And sometimes we have a couple other little bonus things on there as well. And we have several different levels at which you can support us. So you can, and you know, you can always just drop in for a month and give us a little boost and then drop right back out again. Um, But you can access all of the back episodes if you do that. So if you visit patreon.com slash unabridgedpod, you can find out more there. All right, we are going to start today's episode with our bookish check-in. Ashley, what are you reading?
0: So I wanted to share one of the things I'm reading is Dean Adda's The Black Flamingo. I have been wanting to read this since it came out and just hadn't gotten to it yet. And our local library is reading it for the book club this month. And so I was like, oh, I definitely want to do that. And so Uh, they've had some great choices. And I'm like, oh, I got to plug into that. So I'm going to try to get there this next week. And then I hope to start joining them because I just love the books they've been choosing. And they're all, all of them have been ones that either I read and loved or that are on my list of things I really wanted to read. But this one is a novel in verse. I am listening, I think, and I'm loving the audio. But I do think that it would also be great on the page because it's just really powerful poetry. Basically, I'm still early on in it. Early on in the book, it is really about early childhood. And looking at, we see the narrator as a six year old boy, and he desperately wants a Barbie for his birthday. And he's told his mom, and he really is like hoping for it, hoping for it. And he gets this package that looks like a Barbie because it's the right size. And then when he looks, it's a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle. And so, of course, he's super disappointed a lot of it is just about his experience. We see that scene and then we also see he does she does get him a Barbie for Christmas. And but then when he goes to see the rest of his family, she's like, "Oh, why don't you leave her here? She's going to I need her to help me clean up the house while you're gone." And so there's I I think what I'm finding really powerful about it is it's showing all those cultural norms but in a way that we're seeing from this young child's perspective. So that we, we, as the reader are like, of course, she wants you to leave it at home because she's worried about what will happen if you take the Barbie to the rest of the family or if you take it out with friends. But she also wants you to have the thing that you really want. And so we just see all that happening. And even as the child, he's young and he, you know, he's moving into like eight and 10, but he's friends with all these girls and all the boys are really jealous of how he's friends with all the girls, but he's friends with all the girls because the girls kind of see him as one of them. And so we see how, again, kids know all these things about each other and themselves, even though they know them in a very different way than we perhaps perceive them as adults. And so I just, so far, I'm just really loving it. I see how he's struggling to find his place and to navigate being who he is, but also having friends and trying to get along with people and just how hard that is. And so, I mean, I'm just loving it. I think that we see a lot of the struggles that he's going through. And I know that it is moving toward, you know, the black fl- flamingo is about him and drag. And so I know that that's kind of the direction. And you see a tiny bit, you see hints of that in the beginning. But again, where I am in the story, it's still like unpacking childhood. And I just I mean, I'm loving it. The language is so powerful. I think it creates these really at creating these really vivid, depictions of just scenes that you can see playing out. But yeah, I'm loving it. So this is again, Dean Atta, and it's the black flamingo. And the main character there is he's mixed race. He is gay. He is trying to find his way and also navigating family things like his dad's not in the picture. And he has his mom originally like his name doesn't match. And so there's some of those things that he's navigating. He has a sister, but the sister has a different dad. So there's a lot of that stuff too that he's working through. So I just, I think it's really beautifully done. It is a very quick read, but also really powerful. I'll definitely read more by Ada.
1: That's great. That's been on my list to read for a long time.
0: That's what, it's funny because same, I don't know what my holdup Mm -hmm. was, but like I said, I just needed a nudge because... I absolutely love it. Just so powerful. And I mean, I mean, action packed, you know, like it, it's quick, but there's so much in there. And then and it is a novel in verse. So if you're looking for a novel in verse for yourself or for students, this is a great choice for that too. What about you, Jen?
1: What are you reading? So I'm in the middle of a doorstop book. This is Marlon James a brief history of seven killings. And this is actually one of my 23 backlist books for this year. I really enjoy James's work. So he also wrote the Book of Night Women, And he has a fantasy series that starts with Black Leopard, Red Wolf that I... I read the first book. I haven't read the second yet. But yeah, James is just... He tends to write these really chunky, amazing books. He is Jamaican. And both the Book of Night Women and this one, A Brief History of Seven Killings, center in Jamaica. So this one has multiple sections. But the first two are in the seventies. And the very first one is in 1976 when Bob Marley had returned to Jamaica and was at the center of an assassination plot and the, which I did not know about. And the book has this huge sprawling cast of characters and you cycle through their voices and their voices are very distinctive. There's a lot of dialect that really evokes the feeling of Jamaica and the sense of the Jamaican characters versus there are some American characters who have come to Jamaica. There's a reporter from Rolling Stone. There are some members of the CIA who are also wrapped up in this assassination plot. So it's just this really evocative look at a part of history about which I know virtually nothing. And also this look at the people who come from different parts of Jamaica, both geographically, but also different parts of the socioeconomic structure. There are some gang members, and then there are people who are more wealthy, and you see men and women. And James's writing is just, this one, the Booker when it came out in, I can't remember if it was 20, I think it was 2015. And his writing is just, you know, kind of experimental, very immersive. Yeah, it's amazing. So, I'm not quite halfway through. It's almost 700 pages. So it is it is an endeavor, which is part of the reason it's been sitting on my shelf so long. I knew I wanted to read it. But diving into a challenging 700-page novel is not something I can do every day. But finally, <laughs> I was like, I just need to pick it up. And yeah, I haven't wanted to put it down. So that is Marlon James's A Brief History of Seven Killings.
0: Mm, wow. Man, Jen, I still haven't read any of his. It is intimidating to <laughs> start his work. And I know
1: that he, he's so talented. And so, yeah, I want to make time for that too. Yeah. That sounds really powerful. The Book of Night Women was about slavery on Jamaica. And so that one was also. I, I would say I w- that would be a great place to start, I think. And the fantasy trilogy is great, but also quite, quite challenging. I think the Book mm-hmm. of Night Women is probably the most accessible. It's the most straightforward narrative. But yeah, I really like his work and his point of view. So. All right. Well, we are going to start talking now about Natasha Bowen's Skin of the Sea. So I'll start with a brief synopsis. In Natasha Bowen's Skin of the Sea, Simidele is one of the Mamiwata, mermaids blessed by Yemoja, the mother of all orisas, to gather the souls of those who have died on Portuguese slave ships on their way from West Africa to Europe. When Simi acts outside the boundaries of her mission and saves a teenage boy named Adekola, she defies the agreement made between the supreme creator and Yemoja and threatens the very existence of the Mamiwata. Yamoja tasks Simi to travel with Kola to find the magical artifacts that will allow her to ask forgiveness from the supreme creator. Inspired by Hans Christian Andersen's fairy tale, The Little Mermaid, and by West African mythology and history, Natasha Bowen crafts a YA fantasy retelling that expands upon its origins to build a new world. All right, well, we will start with our overall impressions. Ashley, what did you think of Skin of the Sea?
0: I really enjoyed this one. I felt like. I loved seeing the incorporation of a lot of the mythology. I thought that seeing the orisas and how they had similarities, but then they were really different from each other. I loved all that. I also really thought that seeing Simi as a mermaid and seeing her transform frequently between her fish-like self and her being on land, like I thought I just liked all of that because I felt like the integration of The mythology and then weaving that into this story that really centers her, I thought was really captivating. I felt like it moved fast, but then also there were parts where the... Narrative didn't feel as propulsive as I kind of expected it to be, but I really enjoyed it. I felt like I was in it for her. I loved Cola as a character. I also thought Yemoja was a great character in this, and I thought that her role of what she could and couldn't do and seeing her as a complex being and a goddess, but also as having limited power, I thought all that was just really interesting. Mm What about you, Jen? What was your overall impression?
1: Yeah, I I felt a lot the same as you did. I love The Little Mermaid. It is one of my favorite original fairy tales. I remember vividly reading it for the first time. And a slight spoiler if you haven't read it, but it's really sad. It is a really sad fairy tale. And I remember... Just being swept away. It may have been one of the first things I'd read with a sad ending. I don't know, but I remember Mm -hmm. the impact it had on me, but also the beauty of the love story at its center. I mean, part of it's kind of horrible, but it's also really gorgeous. Um, So I'm all in for retellings of that I should start with. Um, And then I think the way that Bowen blends that with the West African history and mythology that you were talking about, Ashley, is so clever I wasn't sure at first if it would talk about the fairy tale at all. And so I thought it worked really well to blend those two things. I did wish I agree about the parts that weren't as propulsive. And I wanted a little more character development of some of the characters. But there are a lot of characters in the book. And so I do feel like I wouldn't have minded if it had been it's a pretty short book. I wouldn't have minded if it had been a little bit longer to yeah. be able to fit both the breadth of coverage of the characters, but also just develop them a tiny bit more. Um, but I will say as soon as I finished it, I put the sequel on hold at my library. I haven't gotten it yet, but that's soul of the deep because it was interesting enough that I really wanted to know what happens. Yeah. I want to see how Simi's story continues. Um, and I think for people who love fairy tale retellings, I like the broadening of it. Yes. And the fact that it's not just working with Hans Christian Andersen's story, but it's bringing in all of these other influences and all of this other research.
0: Yeah, yeah. And I didn't say for overall impressions, but the way that she incorporates, I mean, you you mentioned this in the summary, but the incorporation of the slave ships and mm-hmm. the atrocities that occurred and that part I thought was really well woven in as well.
1: Mm-hmm. All right, well, we're going to talk now about just one thing that worked for us. Ashley, what's one thing that worked for you?
0: I think that something that I really loved was seeing Simmy's character develop. I agree with you, Jen, that there were parts where I wanted to see more of the different characters, but I felt like for her, something that I really appreciated is that she, we see her wanting to accept that she is what she is and she's not what she's not, and yet... She continues throughout, I think, to push those boundaries for the benefit of people, not herself. And I really admired that, I think, in her. Just this, like, realization. She has a series, I think, of realizations about how even if she had known what the stakes were, and maybe those felt a little arbitrary to me. I mean, you know, there's stuff where I'm like, really? Like, you're all going to be destroyed because you tried to save this guy? Like, I don't know. But I think that within those constraints, she realizes, of course, she was going to have saved him anyway. That, like, in that moment. And so I I did – I really appreciated that. Um, And I think that that was something that I loved seeing develop. And, yeah, that was one part that really worked for me. Mm -hmm. What about you, Jen? What's something that worked for you?
1: I really liked – once Asu came into the story, I just think anytime you examine mythologies and you see these connections between cultures, I think it's interesting. So Asu is a messenger to the Supreme Creator, and we find out through the book that he has stopped communicating with the Supreme Creator, that he is basically just holding all of this information and hence all of this power to himself. But I think the fact that he's this trickster character you know, made me think of indigenous works that I've read. And I think seeing that whole messenger role, I I just always love it when you see the universality of these mythologies and the ways that they connect to each other and that you have so many cultures that do have a messenger role and that you have so many cultures that do have a trickster figure. But then when the trickster figure gets out of proportion to the rest of whoever's at the center of the mythology, whether it's gods or whatever you want to call it, that's when there's a problem, that there's a balance that you kind of have to maintain and when the balance gets out of whack, that's when other things start happening. So yeah, I thought his character was, he's a villain, but it's also fun. And creating that mission then for Simi and for Cola, having that goal for their journey, I think, again, just evokes all of these other stories. So I think Bowen does a great job of tapping into these universal tropes and characters, these archetypes. And I love, that's one thing that I just love about fairy tales and fairy tale retellings is, you're, yeah, you're tapping into these things that you see so often. I think I really enjoy that. So, yeah, I thought Aesu was an interesting figure. And then I'm assuming all of you who are listening who have have read this. So, you know that he is also at if- Ifideo. And so, he's one of their companions on part of the journey. And I knew there was something off about him, but I wasn't, anyway... Seeing the way that all develops, I think it's really fun and satisfying. And I think for younger readers who may not predict that, that would be a real moment, that reveal. So yeah, I really like that part of it.
0: Yeah, I, that all worked for me too. <laughs> yeah.
1: All right, we're each going to highlight a quotation now. Ashley, what quote do you want to discuss?
0: This is when Yumoja is talking with Simi after. So she ha- she saved Cola. And then realize that she's put the Mami Wata at risk of being destroyed, essentially, because she's violated kind of their covenant of what they can and can't do in their role. And Yemoja says to her, I know you will make things right. What is done is done. We cannot change the past. Only learn from it. What happens next is up to you. And I think at the core, that was something that I really just loved in the story is this idea that there are these things that we just cannot control. And some of them are really awful. And we see these really horrific atrocities happening. Like I said, I thought that Bowen did a really powerful job of while the slave ships are not the center of the story, she shows the horrific nature of them. And they are the context in which this central story is playing out. And so I felt like, there's so much that can't be controlled by them in this story, and yet they continue to show up and they continue to be courageous and they continue to act out of love for other people. And I thought that really that really worked for me. So I think that's just a, I like the quote, but I also like that larger thematic message that I feel like is a big part of the story.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: What about you, Jen? What quote did you choose?
1: I'm really torn between two. I, I think I'm going to go with Here is a story, story it is, and that is the way that all stories in all mythology and all whatever you want to call it, fairy tales within this novel begin. And I think that sense of, you know, in in Western culture, a lot of times it's once upon a time, but just that sort of reverence and tapping into tradition. I really love that. So, and I love here is a story, story it is. There's something just so beautiful about those words. And I think placing it in that context of larger stories. Again, I mean, that was what worked for me, right? So I think that quotation just tapping into that. I'm, I'm going to cheat a little bit and just say the other one I was going to do is where the title of the book is mentioned. It's when you peel back the skin of the sea, you never know what you will find. And I like that as well, right? That there are these superficial things, but then there's all of this depth underneath it. And we see throughout that Simi is finding out deeper truths. She thinks she understands something, but then she realizes there's, there's so much more beneath the surface, which you definitely talked about with Umoja, Ashley. So yeah, sorry I cheated, but I really wanted to mention that too because I think that has, I always get that little zing when the title of the book is mentioned, but then there's a lot of depth there.
0: Yeah. Yes. Yeah, I like that too. And I thought that just like also in the literal part of the sea that you know she when she's going down into the depths really talks about and i think it is humbling to remember how little we as humans know about what is in the ocean i mean it is it it is astounding my kids are very into science and so you know they're always listening to this stuff that reminds me of how little we know about what's down there and how limited our knowledge is. And so there's that component too. And yes, same. I'm always like, oh, there's the title. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so I, t- I it is funny because that does not always happen in books, but it is satisfying. And I also liked, I felt like the title worked well because it is both, you know, her as the mermaid, but also, and that's such a part of the story that she's not human and she's having to reckon with that reality over and over again. But then also mm-hmm. like the depths of the entire world down there that, you know, humans
1: have no connection to. Right. Really. Yeah. All right. Well, we are going to move on to our pairings. Ashley, what pairing would you recommend for skin of the sea?
0: Well, I, I wanted to share Tomi Adeyemi's Children of Blood and Bone. This is the first in Legacy of Orisha, is the series. And Jen, Jen and I and Sarah talked about this one ages ago when it first came out. And so it's been a while since I read it because I read it when it was published. But I did want to share it. I mean, she mentions this in the acknowledgments. I think that you can see the touchstones that are – they. Adeyemi and Bowen are both looking at the Orisas, the original stories of them, what those myths and legends are, and then incorporating them into their work. So Children of Blood and Bone is a very different story. But I think if you enjoy the components of weaving in these traditional stories that have been around since early humanity and then looking at how those play out in the modern stories. That is phenomenal. So I feel like that is what the big connection is. But this one focuses on Saylee. She has magic inside of her and is coming to understand that power. But she's living in a society that has banned magic. So because of that, there is, it's very dangerous. She is having to hide who she is. And then it's a lot about the pathway to find other people who are also magical. And then uh, it's a lot about, I mean, it's it's a both fantasy, but it's also dystopian. So there's this component of like, the government is corrupt, everything is broken, but also not as it seems. And then there's this resistance movement that is coming to be or that Zaylee is coming to discover that I thought was really fantastic. So I mean, I love that one. I think it is. It's a fascinating story. And as I said, it does incorporate the mythology, but I also think it's just a great fantasy book. So um, I would highly recommend that. And I, I've read book two. Jen, is book mm-hmm. three out now?
1: No, I, I mm-hmm. was Googling that and it is it, I didn't even find a projected date, but I know that there is a book three planned.
0: Yeah, there's a lot of work that goes into these that they were not, you know, book two was not like immediately on the heels of book one. So I'm eager to see what happens in the series. I loved book two as well, which was Children of Virtue and Vengeance. And so, yes, this is Tommy Adeyemi's Children of Blood and Bone. And again, if you enjoyed the fantasy part of this, if you enjoyed the mythology part of this, you would definitely love Adeyemi's
1: series. What about you, Jen? What's your pairing? So... Mine is called The Deep, and I will say the authorship is complicated. So technically, it's by River Solomon, but David Diggs, William Hudson, and Jonathan Snipes are listed as co-authors, and they are members of the rap group Clipping, which wrote a song for this American Life episode called The Deep, and then that inspired River Solomon to write this novella. And the connection here is with the mermaids from the slave ships. So, there is this story that people who were thrown overboard from slave ships became mermaids. And the book, The Deep, focuses on one called Yetu. And she is the one who holds all of the memories of her people. And There's sort of training that she's undergoing to bear this responsibility. It reminded me a little bit in Skin of the Sea of the way Simi only accesses her memories of being human when she's in her human form, and she's trying to hold on to those, but it's very challenging. For Yetu, there's this element of belonging to the group versus her own individuality that is a little bit of a conflict in both Skin of the Sea and The Deep. Tapping into this idea that the people who are thrown overboard become something else and that it can be a positive transformation, I think is really interesting to consider. And so this one's definitely an adult book, but I do think if you enjoy the way that story is transformed, that The Deep might be a good read for you as well. And again, it's not very long. It's technically considered to be a novella. But I think there's a very rich story to tap into in The Deep, which is, again, by River Solomon, and then the members of the rap group Clipping.
0: Wow, Jen, I I remember the title a little bit. I didn't know much about that. But yeah, that sounds really interesting.
1: Yeah, it was that story of the Black Mermaid's coming from the slave ships was not one I'd heard before, but I think it's really interesting just to examine the origins of that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That I do think that's fascinating. And that's in her notes about the book, she talks about how there's uh, different stories, but a lot of stories of West African descent touch on that idea of the mermaids, which I think is really interesting. And I didn't think to say that Adi Adiemi the author is Nigerian American and Bowen is of Nigerian and Welsh descent. She is British or mm-hmm. lives, lives in England. But, um, but yeah, I felt like there was some similarity
1: there as far as the West African components of the mythology. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, we're going to close out this segment with our bookish hearts. Ashley, how many bookish hearts for this one?
0: I'd say four bookish hearts for this one. Same here.
1: Yeah, I would, I would recommend it. Absolutely. I think there are a lot of readers out there for this book.
0: Yeah, and I do want to continue the series. I agree. I was really interested in. Mm -hmm. I felt like the setup for book two was a really good one.
1: I I agree. agree. Yeah, I'll have to report back. All right, well, we are going to close out today with our Give Me One segment. And our topic today is one book on your TBR. Ashley, what do you want to highlight there?
0: (laughs) Uh, My TBR is busting at the seams, as I know Jen says too. But I'm just gonna go with Rebecca Mackay's I have some questions for you. I cannot wait to read that one. I have seen mixed reviews. So I'm interested because I know some people are like, I absolutely love it. And then others have been like, this is not for me. So I'm curious. I I just the Great Believers was such a powerful book for me. And I've been wanting to go back to Mackay. So I'm interested to try that out. Yeah, I really loved it. So
1: yeah, take that for what it's worth
0: there you go what about
1: you Jen what's one on your list so for read Austin 23 my second year of Austin Buddy Reads I really wanted to do Sonali Dev's Austin inspired series The Rajas so I'm in the midst of rereading Pride Prejudice and Other Flavors now book two is about recipe for persuasion is is recipe for persuasion which is a retelling of persuasion which is the one Austin book I'd never read so I finally read that last year I didn't want to read this one until I'd read the you know, the original material. So yeah, I'll be making my way through that four book series over the next few months. So yeah, I'm really excited about that. Cool. That's awesome. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much, everyone for listening. I can't remember if we said that this is also one of our unabridged podcast reading challenge categories is to read a retelling. So skin of the sea would definitely count for that if you're reading along with us. And yeah, we would love to know other retellings that you would recommend, or if you have a great pairing for Skin of the Sea, we'd love that as well. Thanks so much for listening. Do you have comments or opinions about what you heard today? We'd love to hear them. You can find us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Unabridged Pod, or on the web at unabridgedpod.com for ways to support us. To get more involved, you can sign up for our newsletter, join a buddy read, or become an ambassador. Thanks for listening to Unabridged.